The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Glad you're here. Glad for those of you joining online. If it is your first time here, we'd uh, love to connect with you. Encourage you to fill out a connection card there in your bulletin. We'll try to keep you informed in what's going on at the church. Are looking forward to our gatherings this week. I'm especially looking forward. I didn't get to go to the last men's gathering. And so there will be food there. So I promise you that. We will eat. That's what men should do when they come together. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, so last week we talked um, about uh, marriage is the master's model. <laughs> like the Lord sort of has a sense of humor that he's going to take and um, model like we're supposed to model for the world what it's what it looks like to follow the Lord, and and the best place for it to happen is between a, a husband and a wife in a, in the home, and so whenever whenever you take two people and put them under one roof, and then inevitably inevitably if you do add a child or two, um, there's going to be some conflict in that place, right? Uh, and so the we we talked last last week about the importance of humility that you need humility in the midst of the home in order to sort of rise above some of the things that, that come against um, your family. And so I grew up with three brothers, and we, we had conflict in our home. And especially my two older brothers, they were only, uh, they were kind of like Joel and Jonah. They were, I don't know, 11 months apart, my two older brothers. And they fought a lot, man. And I, I was... I was about seven years after the first one, and then my younger brother was 11 years after me. So there was 18 years between my youngest brother and my oldest brothers. He was like, oops. <laughs> That's what uh, my youngest brother was like. He was a surprise uh, to my mom and dad and all of us. But there was conflict on, in our home, and it, it reminds me of Jesus. Did Jesus have conflict in his home? Well, he had brothers, and his brothers didn't believe he was the Messiah. So there's a good chance there was some conflict. Now, it's one thing to have conflict with your brothers, but it's another thing to have conflict with your brother, and it's Jesus. <laughs> it's not a good situation for those guys. Um, later, though, one of the brothers, we know for sure, does become a follower of Christ. And he wrote the book of James, which is a fascinating book. Just a few chapters. If you've never read the book of James, you need to jump in there. It's loaded with lots of wisdom, lots of practical stuff. Uh, I remember early on when I was, um, I'd fully surrendered to the Lord and started reading the word, um, how blown away I was by the book of James and how much I learned from it. And so James... Um, he learned a lot, I think, from Jesus uh, about practical life. And there are some lessons that he shares with us that if every family is going to have conflict, we need to have some rules of engagement. And so maybe you're here and like some of you young, younger folks, you're like, man, I'm not married. Like, when are we going to get out of this? Like, <laughs> you have conflict. I know that in my home, I have five kids and there's conflict going on with you guys all the time, not each other so much as outside of uh, your family. And that's the way life is. You, you never do move away from that. You never do get to this place where it's like, oh, no, no more conflict. That's called heaven, okay? Uh, so on this side of eternity, there's always conflict. There's, there's going to be conflict at work. Um, there's going to be conflict on your, you know, if you play on a sports team. 
Um, there's going to be conflict with your neighbors. There's just conflict. It's, it's, the, it's the nature of the fallen world. And so inside a family, that there ought to be the best conflict resolution and the best ability to navigate through it if we're believers in Christ. <clears throat> because we ought to be learning things from the Lord that we help that help us to navigate through some of these things so that others can look at us and say, man, I, I see Jesus in that guy, or I see, I see the Lord in that woman. I see how she navigates through some of the conflict that's different than what a lot of the people in the world would say or how you are to navigate um, through it. And so I, when, we, when we talk about this in the context of the family, I think it's healthy for us because we're, you know, we're all at different stages in life. Um, I'm at the final stage of raising my kids and getting them through adolescence and into adulthood. Um, some of you are at the beginning and some of you are at the same place that I am. Some of you are um, well beyond that. Your kids are, are in college now and, and some of them are grown and married and you have grandkids. But nonetheless, like when we're looking at all of that, we, we all have families that we need to navigate through conflict. As a matter of fact, even later in life, you can have conflict with your grown children. And so how do we navigate through some of those things or even conflict that we might have at work um, or in different experiences that we go through? Well, James teaches us a lot about that. And the first thing we learn, and we'll, we'll kind of be focused on James chapter 4. I'll use some other verses, not really a verse-by-verse -verse sermon series. We'll get into one of those when we, when we finish this series up. But here's what, what, what James says. On why do we fight? Like, why do people fight? Well, James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And so we fight because we have competing desires. I want what I want, and you want what you want. And whenever I want what I want, and you want what you want is not the same thing, we got a problem. Now, if it's the same thing, no conflict. But if it's not the same thing, there's a problem. For instance, in my house, and what I want is I want the toothpaste to be squeezed from the back all the way to the front. Yeah. yeah, man, and flat. And Abby wants to squeeze that thing right in the middle. Like it's going both directions. And just drives me insane. And so I get frustrated over and over. And finally, I just said, you get two toothpaste. This one's mine. That one's yours. And when I run out, like, as a matter of fact, every once in a while, you ought to try this. Every once in a while, when I run out of toothpaste, it's kind of nice to squeeze it in the middle, but I have to get back over there to do it at the end, you know? And so uh, it's, it's why we have like somebody, some engineer figured out in the automobile industry, the dual climate control. Some person likes it a little cooler, some like it a little warmer. And so we have these, this is rooted in how we're made. James says, don't fights come from the desires that battle within you. And so... That's why um, when, we're, we're, when we're walking through relationship, that conflict is inevitable. 
And so the question must become, if it is inevitable, it's going to happen with, with everyone. We, I mean, I love the word. I love the word, uh, one, because of all the truth it contains and how it helps me. But I love it because we, we get to see people in conflict. I mean, we, we get to see the apostle Peter and the apostle Paul, man, they're kind of button heads a little bit. And they ultimately, they, they navigate through uh, their conflict, I think, like we're going to see because they're able to talk about it. And what's interesting is if you don't resolve conflict in a relationship, you don't talk about it. You quit talking about it, and you quit talking to the person. And that's why it can be so destructive in a relationship. And having rules of engagement uh, with your spouse and your children and and your parents and, and people in life, like you need them. Because if you don't, then ultimately what happens is distance is created and you find yourself growing apart. And so how do we, how do we fight fair? Well, the most important thing, and this is, there's always going to be something like this in one of my sermons, okay? I was thinking about that uh, as, I was, as I was going through this, is make peace with God. I mean, we're always going to come back to our relationship with the Lord. If you're, if you're going to have, if you're going to be able to fight fair with other people, then you need to be at peace with God before you can fight fair with anyone else. You got to be at peace with him. And this is what Romans chapter five says this. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And a lot of times people don't understand that. People don't understand that if you're not reconciled to God, you're an enemy of his. We just think that everybody can, everybody, if, if just as long as you kind of acknowledge and believe that God exists, you're at peace with him. No, you're not. Like, you have to make peace with God. There are terms of peace. And you are at war with God until you realize you can't defeat God and you surrender and raise the white flag in your life. And that's the only way to make peace with God. But then once you make peace with him, it is easy to start walking in disobedience. Maybe the Lord starts challenging you in an area that he wants you to follow him in obedience and you don't raise the white flag in that area of obedience, then all of a sudden you're kind of battling against God's will again. And so um, I'm encouraged. I've got a brother that uh, talked to me and said, man, I want to get baptized. The Lord, I've been thinking about this a lot. And, and that's why we got the baptism that's coming up. Um, is Kirk, man, is going to get baptized. And we're excited about that. And so um, but he, he, what he said is, I wanna, what he's doing is, like, I want to surrender this. He's making a peace with God in that area of his life. And he's going to find that there's freedom that comes with that. And if we don't make peace with God, then what happens is a certain amount of our um, energy in life has to be used to try to put that somewhere because it's really causing us some, some guilt and some frustration and we keep sort of making ourselves you know, put it behind us and that's where the bondage comes from. And so we want to make sure that we're making peace with God because a lot of conflict would cease when we just surrender to the Lord. Because when things are bothering you, what's funny is, um, you know, when something, when you're frustrated about something, you're frustrated about something at work, or for me, like the, my work is ministry, and maybe I'm frustrated about how things are going or are not going, I wish they would go, or about how much I thought I was going to get done to, you know, on a particular day, and I, I didn't get it done, and then... Um, I come home and, and uh, it, 
Abby may say something and I might snap at her. And all of my frustration, I begin to take out on her based on what I'm frustrated about in these other experiences. And so whenever you surrender to God in in these areas of your life, conflict begins to cease. And, And when you become a Christ follower, what happens is the Spirit of God moves into your life. And so... When we're led of the Spirit, a lot of these things begin to correct themselves because we, I'm not saying when we make peace with God, there's no conflict. But what I am saying is when we make peace with God and we continue to maintain that peace and we continue to surrender, then what happens is a lot of the things that can build up on the inside, we begin to learn how to how to talk to the Lord about them and we can navigate through them. If we leave Jesus out, okay, of our lives. We're compromising the safety of our homes, that patria, that that family unit. And so whenever, even when there's an area of my life and that that I, I think is only about me and I'm holding it back and the Lord is challenging me on it and I don't surrender that area of my life, then I'm making it more difficult for my children and for my spouse I'm, I'm compromising the security of my home because a certain amount of my energy has to be utilized in order to put that out of my mind. And so I become a little bit more vulnerable. And so I, when, I, when I do surrender, then I'm, I'm like capturing that energy back. I'm capturing that, that emotional, um, what, what I'm having to use to emotionally navigate through something I shouldn't be carrying, which is a burden. When I surrender it to the Lord, it comes off of me and I feel freer. Therefore, that's what I take into to the home. And so the enemy is constantly trying to use things to get us in a position that is creating distance between us and God, and it will manifest itself in the home. And when I was talking about, you know, how we will vent to our, our families, we don't do that with other people. This is why it's so important. These things are so important for the home. Is that, remember I talked about hiding. We hide outside of the home, but we don't hide in the home. Like, we can be having a terrible day, and somebody asks us, well, how are you doing? And we'll be like, oh, man, I'm great. Things are going well, and we're just smiling and telling them all, all the good things in our life. And on the inside, we're so mad, we're just steaming. But when we go home, that doesn't happen. When we go home, we can kind of just let it out as soon as we walk in the door. And everybody can kind of feel that we are frustrated and upset. And so, again, a lot of that can be resolved if we learn how to make peace with God and and keep peace with God, because it's incredible that the Lord is changing us. And that's the foundation for everything else. Because what happens is, um, once you make peace with God, you're at peace with God, you talk to him about the fight. If you're not at peace with God, it's harder to talk to him about other things that are going on in your life. And when you start talking to God about the fight that you just had or you're about to have because you're frustrated, then it will solve itself a lot of times right there. Listen to what James says. You want something. This is right after he tells us where fights come from. He says, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. 
you quarrel and fight, you do not have because you do not ask God. And I think in one sense, James is teaching us that a lot of fights happen when we expect other people to meet needs that only Jesus can meet. And so when we make peace with God, we, we no longer are expecting another person to meet a need that only God himself can meet. And, and so that can create a lot of conflict in the home when we're carrying something around that we shouldn't. And in that discussion with the Lord about the things that we're frustrated about, um, what we're learning to do is vent vertically. And when you learn to vent vertically, uh, you'll become good at um, navigating through conflict. Because what happens is I start to vent with the Lord and start to think something may be frustrating me and I start to talk to him about it. <laughs> and he's just going, look at you, bro. Look at what you got over here and over there. And I'm like, jeez. And, and it automatically puts me in this place of empathy for the other person. And it, it, it helps me to realize, man, that a lot of times that, that the things that are frustrating me about other people, I'm doing the same thing with the Lord. It's like I'm the guy who just wakes up a lot of times in these very simple things and is squeezing the Lord's toothpaste in the middle. And, and it helps me to understand, geez, I need more grace in my life. And not, not just from the Lord, but grace that I give to other people in my life. Grace for my kids, grace for my spouse, grace for, for people I'm doing life with. And unfortunately, we're really good at venting horizontally and not that great at venting vertically. And the problem with that is when you vent horizontally before you vent vertically, you miss all the spiritual lessons that the Lord will teach you about yourself. And so you have to, you have to make sure that, that in, and so you go, wow, man, I, I, if you, you know, maybe some of you, you're like, geez, I knew I should have kept my mouth shut on the way to church. We argued all the way here, all right? That can happen. Um, and, and so you go, well, what do I do now? I've already vented horizontally. You can still go back and vent vertically about the whole situation, and the Lord will st start to show you some things, and you know how to move to the next place and navigate through the conflict and resolve it and get yourself to a place where um, you're finding freedom in your own relationship with people, not just freedom in your relationship with the Lord. And so the power <clears throat> of venting vertically is that the Lord will show us our own blunders. And if we don't, if we don't vent vertically and we immediately go to that horizontal stuff, we miss all of the lessons. And so one of the, um, one of the best things that you can do uh, to fight fair is just right out of the gate. You got to make peace with God. Like if you don't make peace with God, <laughs> I, I, I just look at my life and I go, there's no way. There's, there's just no way Abby could have stayed married to me if I wasn't walking at peace with the Lord. Um, because I, I just, boy, I still have problems here and there, and I'm fully surrendered to Jesus. If I'm not, I would be so selfish. I'd be so self-centered. It, it, my life would be all about me. And, and, and so like that venting vertically with the Lord and beginning to talk to him and let him teach me about me 
has been, I think it's been such a crucial piece for our marriage. And I, I think Abby would say the same thing, but if you spend much time with Abby and I, it's like, you don't look at Abby and go, oh, she's, she can get really overbearing. Like, <laughs> yeah, and you're not so sure you sat and don't say that about me. What are you, I don't know what you're laughing at. <laughs> and so it's so like you look at that and man the lord like he he can work in all of that and so it's important for us to acknowledge man geez like we want what's best for our families you know we want to give them the best experiences on vacations and best educational experience we can give them and and the best you know we just want to give them the best in life and and it's so easy to get distracted by all these things that we can see, that we can give them that we feel is best, that we miss the most important thing that oftentimes we can't see. And it is a spiritual thing. It is walking with the Lord. The greatest thing we could ever do for our families is just surrender to the Lord. And, and so like when we look at, okay, man, my future is ahead of me and how do I prepare for it? Maybe I'm a young person. Again, I would just say, man, you got to surrender to the Lord. One of the things I pray for my kids every day, I've got their pictures um, hanging up in my office and I pray over them every day. And one of the things that I ask the Lord is, and I'm thanking him for now because I'm seeing them do it, is, is the secret of surrender. Lord, may they learn the secret of surrender at an early life and keep repeating that and see all the freedom that comes from surrender. And so this thing never quits. We, we surrender our lives ultimately. We quit waging war against God. We reconcile with him. We're no longer enemies. But then we keep surrendering. Jesus said, Take up your cross daily. And, and we just keep doing that. And we keep identifying areas of our lives where, oh, geez, there's another area in my life I could surrender to the Lord. And we're letting him grow us and making, him, making us into the people that he wants us to be. And that's one of the greatest things you can do uh, for your family. Now, once you do that and you're walking at peace with God, you're still going to encounter conflict. Okay, it doesn't, we don't, we, we never do in our lives come to this place of perfection. Again, um, that's, that's heaven, all right? That's when we're no longer struggling. But we, we do come to this place where we're growing and we're navigating and we're, we, we keep moving closer and closer to the Lord. And you've heard me say this. What's, what's fascinating is the closer I get to the Lord, like, I'm closer to the Lord than I've ever been in my life. But I feel like from, from, from a sense of, of living a, a life of holiness, I feel like I'm further than I've ever been. Like, when I look back, when, when I first started following the Lord, man, I just thought I was just doing everything right. But the longer that I follow the Lord and the more stuff I've surrendered in my life, the greater the gap that I see in how he lived and how I live. And, and so, but, and that's not discouraging. It's, it's really humbling. It's like, man, the Lord, the Lord loves me in spite of me. And it makes me, the more I think about the grace of God, a lot of people are really worried about, man, when you talk about grace, it, it makes people think that they, they, they can do anything and, and you need to be careful about that. I don't believe that. I think the more you understand about grace, the greater you want to surrender. Because you just understand, man, geez, I don't deserve this. And the more you recognize that you don't deserve this, then the more you want to please someone and the more you're willing to surrender. And so, so vitally important that we walk in that. But once we do that and we still have conflict, how do we navigate through um, that conflict? Well, here's the first thing. You have to assume a low position. 
Um, we talked about this last week. When Jesus man, he modeled it, I mean, he literally washes the feet of the disciples. And I think, man, all of the relationships that he was in, Jesus is washing Judas's feet, and he knows Judas is about to go betray him. But he washes his feet, right? Like right before he does it. And so it shows the humility that Christ has. And but when when we talk about assuming a low position, Jonah, man, he started wrestling a few years ago. And I've learned a lot about wrestling. And I've one of the things I've learned a lot about wrestling is I don't know very much about wrestling. But it's pretty interesting. The more you, you start understanding the point system a little bit, um, and, and it, it's a it's an interesting sport. But one of the things that a, a wrestler has to do is they have to they have to assume a low position and try to keep that low position. And you think of the yearbook, like the typical yearbook shot of a wrestler's, right? He's and and so they gotta. Well, maybe it wasn't, uh, but uh, <laughs> it's so. But you but you have to get in that low position in order to protect yourself. And and again, this is that humility, that piece of humility that we have to have. James, again, going in James chapter 4, verse 10, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And so when we can learn to go down low in the situation when we're having conflict, then the Lord will raise us up. Pride will always bring you low and humility will always raise you up. Generally in the kingdom, things are always flipped opposite. They're, they're up, they, they look upside down. Because it feels like, man, I need to be, if I'm not careful, then somebody's going to run over me. But the scripture says that when we humble ourselves in a situation, that God will lift us up. So it becomes a faith thing that we believe God will elevate us above the, the problem that we're facing. But when we're prideful, we're just setting ourselves up for a fall. We're setting ourselves up to go down lower because we're not willing to um, walk in the humility that, that Christ has modeled for us. And so how, how are we, how can we be humble? Well, I'm using, an, I'm going to use another basketball illustration is the triple threat. Okay. You got to pass, dribble, shoot. You teach kids and don't, when you get the ball, don't just take off dribbling. You're in a triple threat, right? You don't know what that person's going to do. I can jab, step and shoot. I can dribble around you or I can pass to my teammate. And if you give one of those away, then you're no longer a triple threat. And so you want to make the defense, you set the defense up with the triple threat so they, that you can take advantage of them, cause them to make a mistake, and then you capitalize on the opportunity, whatever it may be. Well, the same is true spiritually. There's a triple threat when it comes to walking out things hum, uh, humbly. And here's the first um, part of it. You have to ask this question, how much of this is my fault? When you have conflict in your home before accusing and attacking, you ask, how much of this is my fault? On the Sermon on the Mount, man, Jesus just over and over, he's teaching people how to check themselves. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. It's about checking ourselves. You know, before you go to a brother, um, make sure you're looking and you talk to him about a splinter in his eye, make sure that you deal with the beam in your own eye. And just over and over, we have this self-reflection where Jesus is teaching us um, to look at, inside before we're um, reacting in any situation. And so the, the question is, am I demanding? Am I unrealistic? Am I being oversensitive here? Am I being impatient? Am I being insensitive? Like most of our conflict is over stupid stuff like the toothpaste. It really is. It just manifests itself when it goes unchecked. And we don't just look at it and go, this is dumb. Why am I even upset about this? It matters not 
When they're putting me six feet in the grave, it matters not how the toothpaste was squeezed. Well, if you look at your life and you look at the arguments that you and your spouse have or or you have with your parents, you'll probably start to recognize, this doesn't matter. I'm just making it matter because of the selfish desires within me, and this is what's wrong in this, and I'm, I'm, I'm overreacting here. And that's why a lot of times things would just get resolved when we can learn how to fight fair and recognize, man, some of this is my fault. And the best thing you can do for your family is ask, what are, where am I at fault? There's no such thing as a one-person problem. <laughs> now, certainly there's, there are times where Part of it is the other person's fault, and part of it is your fault. And, and it, it may be that the way you reacted to what they were doing is causing this. That's your fault in the whole thing. It is making it a bigger deal than it is. And so that's how things can kind of blow up and get out of hand. And, and so you, we're not saying that, hey, man, there's no room for argument. There's no room for conflict and, and resolution. We're saying there is, but part of that is being honest and do, taking some self-inventory and going, where am I at fault in this? Like, wh- where is, and again, like literally when I, I keep going back to the toothpaste, but it's a true story. Like, um, it's just, it's just, it's as simple as two, toothpaste, two tubes of toothpaste. Quit trying to change the other person all the time because there's some things they just can't change in. And, and it really doesn't matter if they do or don't. It may make you feel a little bit better, but at the end of the day, it's really not that big a deal at all. So ask how much of this is my fault before reacting in the situation. Here's the second thing. You've got to acknowledge strengths and weaknesses. That's the second part of the triple threat. You ask, how much is my fault? And then you acknowledge the strengths and the weaknesses of the other person. To fight fair, you have to acknowledge that everyone has strengths and everyone has weaknesses. Now, in our relationship, there's no doubt I'm the strong communicator. Like, I just, like, things come to me quick. And Caitlin is my mini-me. Like she, things come to her quick. We finally was able to convince her to, I said, you need, no, you need to be in debate next year. Like you need to be in debate. And she finally did it after much debate. <laughs> uh, but she, she's a lot like me. We see a lot of her uh, ability to communicate. Abby is not. Abby's not a communicator. Um, as a matter of fact, if we get into any kind of heated argument, man, I can wear her out. Just, I can clobber her. And, and so here's the deal is, do I use my gift to help in this moment or do I use my gift to win? And if we're not careful, we're using our giftedness to win, then we're not using it to help the other person. Like really in humility, if I'm going to recognize strengths and weaknesses, I need to help her communicate I need to help her get out what she's trying to get out because in the, the more emotional she becomes, the more difficult it becomes for her to, to communicate. The more emotional I become, the easier it is. The more impassioned I get, the words come faster. And I can prove to you how you're wrong and I'm right. And it just, I mean, it just comes to me. But, and then the more, if I do that, the more I'm showing that I'm right, the more she's getting frustrated. And thank you, Jesus, she's downstairs right now. <laughs> No, she would tell you, we, we talk about this. She, she knows. Like, we have, a, we have a statement. She told me the other day, she, you're not fighting fair. 
And that's what this message is all about. Is, and there are times that I don't fight fair, and I have to be reminded, and there are times that she doesn't fight fair as well. And so like, you have to acknowledge the strength and weaknesses of the other person. And so, Caitlin, you have to acknowledge, again, like you said, well, this, again, this is a marriage sermon. No, it's not. Like, you have to acknowledge that you are going to be a better communicator than some of your friends, and you can use that to beat them up. Or you can use that to help them. You can use it to win, or you can use it to help. And, and there are a lot of you that are great communicators. And you have, to, you have to recognize that in arguments, man, if you're the better communicator, it's easy to use that gift to win. And there are so many different um, illustrations that I could use, but communication when it comes to conflict is a really big one because a lot of times the, the conflict is, is really wrapped up in communication. And so you have to acknowledge strengths and weaknesses. And then here's the big one. All right, talk to someone else about you, okay? Talk to someone else about you. When you seek advice, go to someone you can trust to talk about you. When you call your girlfriend and say, I'm, well, I'm so frustrated, you know, and you start talking about your spouse, and that, that girlfriend starts saying, what a jerk. That's not who you need to be talking to, okay? You need to, you need to talk to the person that says, pushes back and helps you to ask, what, what part of this was my fault? Who's going to give you that counsel and help you to understand that, hey, we can't help this person. And so all the time when I'm engaged in counseling, if I'm dealing with one spouse and the other one is not present and they start talking about all the things the other person does, certainly I give them an opportunity to vent, but then I want to redirect them and say, well, I, you know, that person's not here. They don't want to be here. They don't want to hear what I have to say. I can't help that person. I can help you. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about what you're doing. And let's... And, and so like, it's a, there's a lesson for us even as we're navigating through trying to help other people manage conflict is that we can only deal with the person that, that is right there. And so when a person comes and they want to constantly talk about the other individual and put themselves up as the victim and they want you to say, yeah, that, I can't believe that they did that. And you just keep feeding into that. You're not helping the person. Okay. And so like, you got to find some people around you that will be honest with you and talk to you about you, not the other individual. And so um, if, if we want to fight fair, just looking at this, we're going to make peace with God. We're going to assume a low position. Here's the triple threat that I can kind of navigate through. And then finally, work it out. Like It's just simple. Just work it out. And everything can be worked through if both people are committed. And nothing can be worked through if one person is not. It takes two to get into a conflict, and it takes both to get out of it. And when both people are committed to getting out of the conflict and finding resolution, they will find it. And so Ephesians 4.26 says this, In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while, while you're still angry. And so to protect your family, make a rule the things have to be worked through before you go to sleep. Just make a rule. <laughs> and if you don't, um, you leave them alone, then your heart gets hard. Now, I can remember, like, I, should, I went to bed and was just frustrated over something and in our marriage, and I'm, I'm upset. And I'm upset that she can't un recognize that I'm upset. <laughs> You shouldn't be clenching my teeth right now. And uh, so we get in bed, and certainly by the time we get in bed, she's going to recognize when I'm upset. 
Just my tone has shifted. My body language has shifted. And so I'm hopeful that we're going to get into this. The next thing I know, she's asleep. And I'm still upset. And so now I'm getting up and throwing the covers over, and I go to the head. I'm going to make as much noise as I can in the kitchen. Now get me something to drink. I'm going to come back, and I'm literally going to jump back in bed and look over. <laughs> Gone, just totally like oblivious. And I'm over here fuming. Now, you can, a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've walked through this. This, like, this was early on. This is before any of you guys existed, okay? Not you guys, but these four up here. And, uh, and, and, but I finally recognized, man, I'm just laying over here fuming. And I woke her up. And I said, look, we got to talk. I'm, I, I'm just I'm burning up in the inside. And I woke her up, and we talked about it. And we learned early in our marriage that that was okay, that I could wake her up and tell her I'm not, I'm, I'm, I need to navigate through this. It's really eating me up. And she has permission to do the same thing. And so we kind of got this rule that we don't, like we don't go to bed that way. We don't want we don't to go to sleep angry at each other. And that is so important because if you don't do that, it is extremely dangerous because every day that goes by and you don't work it out, your heart gets a little bit harder. It just gets a little bit harder. And so like you can let it go by and then you spend the morning and you don't talk about it and you spend the afternoon and you just kind of push it down and then you forget about it. And then you go on and after you've forgotten about it and you've stuffed it down there real good, and you're able to navigate somewhat healthy again and then it happens again and then you do it again. Well, now your heart is already building up on a callousness that it started to create. And it ultimately just gets harder and harder. And you wake up one day and you just decide, I'm not even going to sleep in this bed tonight. I think I'll sleep in the living room. And then before long, you don't even like the person. And then before long, it's the end of the relationship. And, and all the, the, the problems that we navigate through, regardless of what they are, they all happen without resolving. Like that conflict builds and it builds and it just grows until ultimately it is, um, it's a mess. It's, it's infected and, and it brings about death because it's never dealt with. And so when you look and you go, man, this is not a big deal. Everything is a big deal if it's unresolved. Even the little bitty tiny stuff. If you can't get resolution between you and the Lord and, and you're frustrated with a person, if you don't find that resolution, then it begins to create distance between you and them and it is the most damaging thing that could happen um, in your relationship is that hardness that's creating distance because ultimately you don't enjoy the person anymore. And so like the big idea of today's talk don't fight with your family, fight for it. Don't fight with it, fight for it. Now, that doesn't mean that we never have arguments. It means that we're fighting fair so that we know in this, the way that I'm approaching this, I'm fighting for my family. I'm not just fighting with it. And it's so easy to get the, caught in this, this cycle that we just, we're, we're arguing. And, and, and then, like, eventually, that's just no fun. You just don't want to be around those people anymore. And you just look at the family and you go, it would be better for our kids if, they, if we were just divorced and we were no longer together because there's always turmoil. No, it would be better for your kids if they lived in a home where there wasn't turmoil. That's what would be best. 
And so, so how does a person get from this place of love and, and commitment to this place of, of separation? It is really, it, it comes back to this whole thing of humility and being at peace with God and being at peace with others. As much as it is possible with you, uh, the, the word says, be at peace with all men. And that ought to start in the home, man. And so like, just recognize Recognize that all these things are really important and don't, don't think that anything is like this little small thing and carry this beyond the home. Like the, the place that it ought to be utilized the most is inside the home. But you ought to be using it with your neighbors. You ought to be using it with your coworkers. You ought to be using it with, with people like in the P, PTO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The crazy moms that you're like, Ugh. and sometimes you can't get resolution, but you certainly can keep yourself from getting bitter. And the way you do that is just navigate through it and recognize, man, when this is getting the, to this place to me, don't be afraid to step into the conflict and let a person know. Um, I, I told, I told uh, Caitlin, she was struggling a little bit with one of her friends. And she's like, she's, she's being whiny. I said, well, why don't you tell her she's being whiny? Oh, no, she'd be so mad at me. Did she do this, do that? And I said, tell her. And she told her. And guess what I did the other day? I picked them back both up from Hilltop Wreck. They were together, no other friends around. Their friendship is fine. Why was their friendship fine? Because she was honest. And she was speaking the truth in love. And they were able to navigate through that. And the other person respected that in them. And they go, oh, man, this person really cares about me. They're telling me how I act. And so, so like, th- that's so important for us to be able to navigate through these things. Don't fight um, with people. Fight for them, and, and especially in your own home. And if you fight fair, even if the other person doesn't, you say, what if the other person doesn't? Here's the key to that. If you fight fair, your heart will stay soft. And it will stay soft first and foremost between you and the Lord. And that is what helps you to walk in favor as Jesus did with God and man. And so maybe your heart today is hard toward God. Maybe you walked in and you're like, man, I need to make peace with God today. I've never done that. Maybe, maybe there's a certain area where you are vulnerable to becoming a little bit hard toward God because you haven't surrendered it. And maybe today's the day you surrender that. Um, like, like Kirk has done in baptism. It could be something as simple as baptism. It could be something as simple as committing your schedule and saying the things of the Lord and his kingdom are going to be more important to me. It could, could be anything. But whatever it is that the Lord has been trying to get a hold of you about, like surrender that to, them, to him. And then maybe your heart is hard towards someone. And maybe today you just go, geez, man, the Lord is trying to show me I need to work this out with whoever that is, fill in the blank. And so maybe today the time of commitment is that you talk to the Lord, you ask him for courage and ask him to give you the opportunity to reconcile the differences that you're having with this individual. And see, again, how will they know that Jesus is, is the Messiah? They will know, Jesus said, by looking at the love that we have for one another. That's how the world knows. They look at us and they go, man, these people love each other. They do anything for each other, including fighting fair. 
and walking in humility with each other and, and growing deep relationships so that the world could see the power of God working in their lives. It's your patria. Protect it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. The book of James, so clear, so practical. Ms. Steffler, from a comprehension standpoint, it's so easy, so simple. But Lord, because of the fall, it could be difficult for us to walk it out in obedience. And so we pray as a body of believers that you would um, let this word just kind of marinate in our hearts that we would say soft toward it and that, Lord, we would step into it and we would see you on the other side. We'd see you on the other side moving and we'd be encouraged by it and our faith would grow. And I just thank you for this, this group of people, Lord, and I pray for your blessing on the marriages that are represented this morning. Um, for those who are going through difficulty, Lord, I pray for your hand to be upon them. Lord, I, I thank you for... Um, the relationships that are represented here beyond marriage. Just all of the relationships in the community that this group of people today represent. Lord, may we see all of those relationships with purpose. And may we recognize that in all of those relationships, there's an opportunity for someone to see you. And may we, may we walk with that kind of responsibility. We love you. We thank you. We pray these things in Christ's name and amen. Would encourage you today that if you made a decision, um, let me know about it. I want to pray for you. If you'd like to visit some more, I'm always available. Just to email away or use a connection card and let me know. I'd love to uh, do whatever I can to help you walk through something you may be challenged with. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.